0: Hey folks, welcome back to Intelligent Living. Thanks for joining the podcast, where we have discussions about all things relating to life. Through science, we've learned so much about life and how to live it well, so why is it that we tend to live so foolish? Well, it's time to use that science so that we can live life with some intelligence. We can live longer, happier, more purposeful and productive lives for ourselves and for others. And this is called Intelligent Living. So here, we're going to learn, laugh, live, last, and love. Thanks for joining the conversation. Praise God. Thank you, musicians. If you're not aware of it, in November, we have have a revival with Peter Ajala. And then in November, we have a revival with uh, firecracker Jeremiah Wacker. Hallelujah. And then in February, we have a revival with Alvin Smith. Hallelujah. Before I get started this morning, I'll get to the title of the message in a minute. It's called The Principles of Emptiness. But first, like to, I'm not even going to start my timer. I want to apologize Two weeks ago, I was preaching on, basically, I should have called it the limitless God, on limits. And I gave the example of the Chinese doctor that gave me, told me I needed an operation. And I think I called him Wang Fu, Fu Fu, whatever I called him. I wasn't trying to make fun of any Chinese or any people like that or any people that, uh, any. if you're from China or you're an Asian or a Japanese, whatever it might be, you hear that, you may think I'm trying to make fun of those people. I was not trying to make fun of those people at all. I, that was just me. Caught up in the moment, that's not what I was trying to do. And so I say that because I think it needs to be said. I uh, make an apology for that. If someone got offended by that, you know, sometimes the gospel offends people, but sometimes we offend people, and that may have been offensive to some people. And so I say I, I was wrong saying it the way I said it. And you know, if no one was there, it's different. But we we're here; people are watching it from all over the world. And so I say I apologize for that. I'm not trying to make any. You, you know, derogatory remarks about any ethnic group at all. I shouldn't have said it that way. Um, so I was letting you know. So you guys that plan to be preachers, don't do what I just did. You know? And so you got to be big enough to admit you're wrong. Pride pride, to make you think you're always right, even when you're dead wrong. And so I say that. This was in 2017. So, October 12, 2017, this guy, and he's a U.S. author named Dan Brown. And listen to what he says. Humanity no longer needs God, but may, with the help of artificial intelligence, develop a new form of collective consciousness that fulfills the role of God. Brown made this statement at a book club, I guess, the question, inspired by the question, Will God Survive Science? He said, are we naive today to believe that the gods of present will survive or even be around 100 years from today? Well, I'm going to tell you, God will be around 100 years from today. Brown won't be. And he continues, turning to the future, Brown said, technology change, the development of artificial intelligence would transform the concept of God or the divine. Our need for an exterior God that sits up there and judges us will diminish and finally will disappear one day. And this guy writes, in light of that, this other author said, who, who is really being naive, those who place their faith in man or God? It's amazing how quick we were able to place our faith in man despite the many lessons offered to us by history. But we keep thinking, this time we'll get it right. He says, as individuals, we aren't the men and women God says we should be. Nevertheless, we are supposed to believe collectively we will replace God. He says, really? Although we all need, although uh, although all we need is more of a bad thing to equal a better thing, he said, I hear the echoes of the serpent in the garden who suggested to Adam and Eve that they could be God by listening to themselves. Think about it. Pride, the Bible says, go before destruction, the haughty spirit before a fall. This was Steve Jobs. He's on his deathbed. I don't know if you remember, but he was actually he was he's a billionaire. And he wanted to live a little bit longer, and all of his money wouldn't let him live any longer at all. Helped him a little bit, but very little. And he says this on his deathbed, remembering that, that I'll be dead soon, and the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life, because everything, because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear, all the embarrassment of failure, these things will all fall away in the face of death leaving only what is really important. Another man said, Pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. So let me speak about emptiness this morning. I call it the principle of emptiness. I call it the principle because it goes on. <clears throat> There's something here that I want us to see. I refer to it in, in, in this series <clears throat> So let's go to our foundational text. It's 2 Kings chapter 4. Most of you know it, beginning verse 2 again. Follow with me. The principle of emptiness, it is our emptiness and not our fullness that God responds to. It is our emptiness, not our fullness that God responds to. When I was speaking this last week, I honestly didn't know if I could pull it off. And I say this because it just reminded me of what I'm about ready to preach on. I told the pastor, I said, I don't know if I can pull this off. And what I felt in my spirit, God just said, just show up. Just show up. He said, well, I'd like for you to be here early before service. And, I, and he said, I want you to do a seminar on, on how to preach or how to speak. And, and after that, we're going to take questions and answers for a while. And I said, I said, well, so I wrote down a few things, a few notes, on a little card. And I said, okay, just, just do it. Two and a half hours later, we stopped. And it dawned on me, I mean, I was just sitting kind of mumbling. I'm just kidding. But I was sitting just talking. I wasn't preaching, but I was talking. But there's one side of us, there's moments in our life, we think there's no way I can meet this hour or I can meet this what I'm in. I can't meet this. And God says to us, just show up and trust me. Just show up and trust me. And, and I was so, I told the pastor, I don't know. First, I told him, no. Saturday, he said, I want you to come early and do this on Saturday night. And I said, that ain't happening. Why don't you do this? I said, well, okay, I'll try. And and so the story, we know the story of the woman who's desperate. Her husband died. uh, dies. Elisha tells her to do some things. So let me just read it and get into this quickly. Elisha asked her, what should I do for you? Tell me. And what do you have in your house? She answered, I have nothing in my house except a jar of olive oil. I'll preach on that in two weeks. Elisha said, go borrow many empty uh, containers from all your neighbors, then close the door behind you and your children and pour the oil into those containers When one is full, set it aside. So she left him and closed the door behind her and her children. And the children kept bringing her containers to her, and she kept pouring. And the containers were full. She said to her son, bring me another container. He told her, there are no more containers. So the olive oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, he said, sell the oil, pay your debt, for the rest is for you and your children to live off of. And I I mentioned just one time a few weeks back that, Sometimes I believe there's miracles on hold in our life or being held back. And I think because we are unwilling simply to do what God's asking us to do. And what stands in the way, and this is what got, really got me going, what stands in the way of God stepping into our situation is something very simple. It's called pride. And I know this, isn't, this is not one of those sermons that's are going to leave you, you know, uh, as Stacy might say, somebody let me preach in here, get you guys all going. It's not one of those, but listen carefully because I thought about pride and you know, what really got me going was, why does God hate pride so much? You think about it. And so the Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. God says in Proverbs 80, 30, I hate pride, arrogance, evil behavior, twisted speech. Another version says a man's pride and self, sense of self-importance will bring him down. But he that has a humble spirit will obtain honor. A person's pride will humiliate him, one version says. Another one says, a person's pride will humble him. A person's pride, will, he will end in humiliation. And then you read in Proverbs chapter 6, he lists seven things that he hates. And one of the things that's mentioned there is murder, and murder is linked with pride. I mean, murder and pride to you and I don't go together. Someone murders someone, that's one thing. Someone's full of pride, we wouldn't put that in the same category, but God does. So I thought about pride. Here's a few thoughts about it. We know it's irreverent. It's ungrateful because pride forgets where the blessings come from. Number two, pride, it's ugly. When we see someone full of pride to the, in our world's eye, they like kind of think it's kind of cool. But uh, really, there's a side of uh, pride of man or when someone's proud. There's a side that's kind of offensive to us. We don't like it. One man said, it marks a man's character as a scar marks his countenance. And then number three, there's so many verses where God speaks seriously. It's condemned by God, seriously condemned by God, pride. Number four, pride is very dangerous because the Bible says pride goes before destruction. Five, why? So I'm thinking, why? Pride. Why is it so bad? Well, here's some answers to that. Pride creates a sense of a false sense of confidence that leads us into a place of danger. Pride. When you and I are walking in our pride and walking in our self wisdom, walking in what we think is right, we're going to do it our way. You be very very careful when you just think you got it all figured out because I don't care who you are, you will always need the wisdom of God. The Bible says. Plainly, pride goes before destruction. One man said, there is no field of human thought and action in which pride is not most dangerous to guide. It leads us up and over the hill. Pride. Listen. Sometimes, pride, I think, is camouflaged. In Luke chapter 18, we know the story of the tax collector... And the Pharisee, they go up to pray. Jesus said, two men went up to pray, I won't read the whole verse. Said, two men went to temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. And the Bible says, <clears throat> the Pharisee stood and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I'm not a robber, I'm not dishonest, I haven't committed adultery, or I'm not even like this tax collector. Let me just stop there. Here's what pride does. Pride, this Pharisee is proud of what he's done, his good works. And he, when he looks at the man next to him who's a tax collector, he assumes this man is evil just because he's a tax collector. He assumes he knows what's inside that man's heart. Pride makes you think you know what's inside people's hearts. When you say to someone, "Oh, I know what you're, I know what you're really like, you're proud. You don't, you don't know the heart of a man. You don't know the heart of this guy. But when you're walking in pride, you think you can read people, oh, I know what they really mean by that. You ain't knowing jack. And then it says, the tax collector wouldn't even look up to heaven, stood at a distance. And he just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, who do you think heard or touched heaven? And they're listening to the story. And Jesus said, everyone who honors himself will be humbled. But the person who humbles himself will be honored. Pride camouflages. When we see pride operate in people's lives, we don't look at it the way God does. God says, I hate it. We tolerate it. We don't, hey, it's not that bad, just a little proud. Oh, really? God says, I hate it. Huh. Camouflage. What do you mean by camouflage? I'm glad you asked. The word camouflage means the act to obscure something. To deceive an enemy means a concealment by some means that alters or obscures the appearance. Another another, uh, definition says a device or strategy for concealment. And I say this, today's pride is actually camouflaged because when you say, when your life is all about you, all about you, it's a prideful life, Right? And, of course, the proud don't recognize their pride. It, but it's really hard to say it's all about Jesus when it's all about you. Good preaching. I'm going to encourage myself this morning, church. When it's hard to say it's all about Jesus when it's all about you. So I, I came up with a little test. Test yourself, test yourself, I like that in English. Test yourself, ask people what they really think of you. A, ask a parent or someone who you look up to or a close friend, do you think I have a preoccupation with myself? Some of you are going to hear what I'm saying this morning, and you won't ask nobody nothing. You see, I is guilty, all of them. And when you ask somebody and they tell you the truth, don't unfriend them on social life. I'm, I'm not a friend of them, nor of them, Instagram, social media, any social media, or even church. I ask them, oh, brother, what do you think of me? Yeah, I think you're full of yourself. Bye. And you know, talk to them again. Don't do that. It's a sin that cuts us off from God. It's a sin that cuts us off from allowing God to use us. And one man said, when we commit to to live for ourselves with our life, we have forgotten that God does not exist for us, but we exist for him. We exist for him. And listen to this. Pride renders us useless for the kingdom of God. Pride renders us useless for the kingdom of God. So there are good reasons why God hates it. There's an article, Palm Beach Post. This is people. This is me. A man was being sought by the police in Ohio because he was unhappy with his mugshot that it was circulating around. They had a warrant search out for his arrest, and they had his mugshot. He sent the authorities a better picture. And they posted the better picture, <laughs> and I thought sometimes we're more interested in looking right than looking right than being right. You're more concerned about how you look. You ought to be more concerned about how you live. That's right. By the that people, what a, what a audacity! He says, "That's not a good picture of me. I'm a better I'm a better looking criminal than that." <laughs> he says his best picture in. Let's move on. Going back to this woman. And I want you to think about this because this is God ministering to some of you this morning. And this woman, God takes advantage of her situation. I said this two weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again. What I find so encouraging is God intervenes at this woman's darkest, heaviest hour. God intervenes at this woman's darkest and heaviest hour in her life that she sees no answer. That's often the same way God deals with us. In one version, in verse 4, of 2 Kings 4, it says, verse 3, it says, and he said to her, go ask vessels from your, your neighbors. But he, one version says, and don't lose heart. Don't be faint-hearted. God's getting ready to step into this woman's moment, but God adds something. He said, but don't lose heart. In other words, this, this is going to work out. This is going to play itself out. It it, it will be better in the end. Don't lose heart in the process because the truth is we can lose heart in the process. So if there was going to be a point, which I'm not doing no more because I'm able just to preach all my sermons, it would be this. God has an answer for our lives if our heart is open enough to receive it. I am the Lord your God. I rescued you from Egypt. Just ask and I'll give you whatever you need. Psalms 81 verse 10. One man writes, a commentator, he says, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. He said this expression, here's what he says. If the people are in great need, may suppose him to say the blame is utterly Ascribe to themselves because their capacity is not large enough to receive the blessings in which they stand in need of, or rather because of their unbelief, they reject the blessings which would gladly fall upon them if they'd only ask. You know, God's a, a God of blessing. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. And then the very next verse, we don't ever read it. But the very next verse tells you what happens. But my people didn't listen to me. Israel wanted nothing to do with me. Here on one hand, God says, open up your mouth. And yeah, I'm not getting into the, what the phrase means, but basically it's, it's an expression. God says, I'll give you everything you would need to function in life. You name it, I will give it to you. But he says, I tried to speak to you, but you didn't want to listen to me. And you would have nothing to do with me. So there you go. Psalms one hundred nine seven verse 9 says, He satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry with good things. Second point would be, It's our emptiness, it's not our fullness that God responds to. It's our emptiness and not our fullness that God responds to. The Bible says in the book of Luke, I call him the barn man. The man has been blessed. Then he says to himself, he's been blessed. He said, I know what I'll do. I'll store up all these goods that I have for myself. I'm going to take it easy. I'm going to take life easy. I'm going to eat, drink, and enjoy myself. But God said to him, you fool, I demand, I will demand your life from you tonight. And now that all that you've accumulated, who's going to get those riches? But the man who's rich is not rich in his relationship with God. Think about it. Here this man, Jesus points out this man has full barns, but he has an empty heart. He had a poverty that he didn't know nothing about. Oh yeah, you know what? You got, you got all those things, but your heart is empty. Your heart is empty through spiritual things. And some people would say, "What else would you want? Great blessing? Oh, great blessing doesn't fill you. Riches won't fill you. It helps, yes, but it will not fill your emptiness of your soul." This man has prosperity, and he thought, "I'm fine," but no, his heart was empty. Having full barns doesn't bring any inward peace. Think about all the people that have absolutely everything. Every single day in America, You're, you can read it, you can, you can Google it, you can search it. You'll find someone that's a multimillionaire or have businesses, have things, and they take their lives. They have everything you may think you may want. They have it, and they take their lives. Why? Because they're empty. They thought those things would satisfy, those things would take care of their need. It, it didn't take care of their need. It didn't fill them. Book of Ruth, it says, this is Naomi. Naomi recognizes the bitterness of her situation. She says, I went out full, but the Lord brought me back empty. You now, think about this. She says, I went out full, but the Lord brought me back empty. But in the face of the emptiness, Ruth sets out by gleaning. Because she set out by gleaning, she would find great blessing And in that, she would end up marrying Boaz. and Out of that relationship would come Jesus Christ. What are you saying, Pastor? Out of that emptiness, Christ was birthed. And I thought in our own lives, maybe that's how it works. That's why I call it a principle over and over again. Maybe in our own lives, in our emptiness, God is working in our life. Or God has birthed a new dimension in our life. But it doesn't happen in our fullness. It happens in our emptiness. When you and I know that we don't have the answer, we need God to help us. Banks says it like this. He talks about one of the reasons why people don't have what God offers them. He says a very important message is to be found in the empty vessels. Many fail because they have no empty vessels. Their vessels are full of their own righteousness. Something that is utterly useless to redeem them from the bondage of sin. But that shuts out the grace of God from the heart. When the public and the Pharisee went up to the temple to pray, the Pharisee had no empty vessel with him. We must all come with the same humility of heart, with the same vessels of emptied of all self, and throw ourselves at the mercy of God. When you're so full of yourself, the word I would use, is we call it pride. And when you're empty, we would call, call it humility. Humility Pride says I'm self-sufficient. Humility knows it's not sufficient enough. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, Our bodies are made of clay, yet we have this treasure of good news in them This shows that the superior power of this treasure belongs to God and does not come from us. 2 Corinthians nine, Paul writes, In fact, we felt sure that we were going to die, but this made us strong, made us to stop trusting in ourselves and start trusting in God who raises the dead. Pride says, it's, it's, pride is a recognition of self-sufficiency, so self-sufficiency is, is prideful, but the humble recognizes, I'll say it like this, pride will keep you from needing him, pride will keep you from hearing him, pride stops you on so many levels in your life, but humility opens doors. And I think sometimes we're too proud to bring our emptiness. No, we like to think we have it all together sometimes. In fact, our story, you think about this story, God tells her, go get the, she's, she's, she has nothing herself, she's empty. And God says, I want, you, I want you to gather more emptiness. Because with more emptiness, guess what happens? More fullness comes. But the way we think, the way I think, is I don't want more emptiness. I don't want to be lacking. I don't want to be someone without answers. I don't want to be someone who, that needy. But you know what? Being needy and having no answers sometimes one of the best things for us. We all know the verse; it's very familiar. James chapter four, verse seven. It talks about God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It says it like this. In fact, God treats us with greater kindness, just as the scripture says God opposes everyone who is proud, but he blesses all those who are humble with undeserved grace. That phrase, God resists the proud, listen to this, what it means. Man, this is scary. I read that and say, Really? Listen to what it means to resist the proud. It means to oppose, it means to stand off, it means to square off against. It means to inject, reject something totally. It's a military term used to put a soldier or a group or a platoon to stand there to attack any movement. It's an organized resistance against something. Here, this is what it says. God says, "I." that's what I do against humanity. That's what I do against the proud. I don't know about you. I don't want God working against me. You know what? I don't think we believe it. I don't think we believe. It. I don't think we believe it. I don't think we believe what the Bible says sometimes about some of these things. God says, "I'll resist you." So, are no, you will God? Says, oh yeah, I will. And so sometimes you wonder why it's so hard to make headway in life. Is because your life is being resisted. someone is actually pushing against you for your own good, and it's God. He says, but I'll give more grace to the humble. And that, those phrases, let me tell you what those phrases mean more grace. It means completely surprising, greater, too much, more than enough. God's, grace means God's favor, abundant favor, more than anything you'd ever need. God says, I'll give you everything you need, just be humble. Amen. The Amplified Version says it like this. I love this version. It says, but he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God opposed the proud, the haughty, but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from all self righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? Let me move on here. Let's skip this part. Let me go to this. Isaiah says, I have made everything. That's how it all came to be. I, the Lord, have spoken. The people I treasure most are the humble that depend on me and tremble at my word. That tremble at my word literally means I favor the kind of person that will submit to me. God says, "It's not tremble. You know, you can tremble. That doesn't mean anything." God says, "No, it's not about showing that you're I'm okay. I'm really going to do what God wants me." And God says, "No, you actually do it." The humble is the one who submits to the will of God, which brings me to this point. If we want to see, listen to this. Now, you may not realize this, but this is powerful. Are you ready? I'm not. I'm I'm not going to let you get away with that. Are you ready? When you slap your neighbor, wake them up. No, I'm just kidding. If you want to see the will of God accomplished, then you must execute the will of God. If you want to see the will of God accomplished, you must execute the will of God. All of us working together, God's will is not automatic, it must be established, it must be constructed. It doesn't just happen. This Elijah tells this woman, this is, I'm going to lay out what the will of God is for you. It is very difficult. You're in a very, very difficult moment, but I'm not going to do anything. You're going to do it all. It's a story that, to me, and we all know this, it's centered on emptiness. She's empty, and she's going to be going to empty lives. There's a thousand ways you and I can become empty. Number one, quickly, failure can empty you. And you think you're so full of yourself and you fail, you, 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 you find emptiness. One man said, Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, <laughs> but this time more intelligently. Henry Ford, Mike Ditka, football. Coach that success is never permanent and failure is never final. I like this one the blessings that's found in emptiness. The unique unique fruit of failure is the ability to understand the sorrows of others. When your business fails, you're likely to find that your best comforter, your encourager to someone whose business has also failed. Failure gives you insight and empathy that you could learn no other way. And another man said this, the next time you fail, failure leaves you feeling empty-handed, look again. You, you may find you received a priceless gift, the opportunity to grow in Christian character and a chance now to minister to other people. Failure, one man said, is God's training ground for encouragers. Number two, this this is how we become people that will experience failure. Sometimes the turn of events of life can change like that. We all know that. We we, we could be here right now and get a phone call and your whole life changed like that. You could be heartbroken and feel empty. You can feel rejected. All these leave us with a feeling of emptiness. But in this story, he says, go borrow empty containers from all your neighbors, then close the door behind you and your children, pour the oil into those containers when it's full, set it aside. Think about this. God is asking her to exercise her faith in a moment that seemed overwhelming. Listen, her faith equaled the emergency. God wants our faith to equal the times we live in. Someone said the, syc- the, sycamore fr- the sycamore fig tree never ripens into sweetness unless it's bruised. And they said that's the same way of true faith. You're battered, you're bruised, you're broken, and you're empty. You know what this does? This means you're eligible for God's pour outpouring in your life. But, you know, we don't want to get to the emptiness part. We're going to say, fool, you know what? I want the blessing to pull. I want God's oil to pull in my life, but can I have it being full? No, it doesn't work that way. You've got to be empty yourself. You're empty. It makes you eligible now. You're broken, you're battered, and you're brutal. And that makes you eligible. The whole story is around emptiness. One man said, and it's so true, empty, I think it was Spurgeon said, empty buckets are the most fit for the wells of grace. Empty buckets. What's emptiness? Well, in modern terms, I put it like this. I don't think we want to be in the place where we're empty. But empty speaks of not knowing. Empty speaks of total dependency. Empty speaks of, uh, of just not having any answers in life. We don't like to be in a place where we don't have answers for life. okay but when you're in that place you are in supreme dependence on god now and what better place to be i don't you know we may not like how he got there but now that we're there god can begin to pour out something into our life that he could not pour out before i think every one of us want a dimension of God greater in our life today than we did yesterday right Emptiness is eligibility, and eligibility simply means fit or properly chosen, worthy of choice, or meeting all the requirements to participate. That's exactly what happens in emptiness. When you and I are empty, God says, you know what? Now you're eligible. You don't have no answers. You're broken. You're crying hard. You're, you're, when you want to give up? You have nothing? Perfect place to be. Are you for real? Oh, I'm for real. You discover God more greatly there than any other place. We think in our success no our successes, they, they blow up your head. Make money, blows up your head. But you, you you find yourself this place I'm talking about. I don't have an answer. Oh, really? That's a good place to be. And, I, and I, like, I don't like it, but I've, still, I've told people, have come to me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you, I need to talk to you. They come to me and say, this, what's going on, this, what's happening, this, what, what do you guys should do? And I said, I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know, so I don't know. But I tell them this, but I know who does, him. Yeah. The same way you came to me, you had to get a hold of me, get a hold of God. You got his phone number. You seek him with all your face to find him. That's his phone number. But I don't like being there. I'm bringing this to a close. Yeah, look at look at this. It's gonna take a turn here, so you have to stay with me. He says, "Go to your neighbors and borrow as many empty vessels as you can." The word "borrow" it's the same word we use for prayer. Empty. Vessels, same word would use for uh, idle, worthless, vain. So maybe we could translate it like this the way I put it. God says, You go pray for the empty lives of this city, and you pour your life into those empty lives in this city. It's the same word, the word borrow, it's the same word we would use to ask God to invade. It's the same word we use for prayer. God says, you go pray for your neighbors. You go pray for all your neighbors in the city of Moreno Valley and all the cities of the world. But you're here. You go invite, you get your neighbors. And then you pour your your empty life into their empty life and see what God does. Matthew says it like this blessed, spiritually prosperous, happy, to be admired of those who are poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Stoll writes about the times we live in. Listen to this, and I'm going to close. He says, while there are for us, the church, the worst of times, they hold a strategic opportunity to present the clarity of the gospel in the world that we live, with an ever-increasing awareness of the needs and emptiness of people's lives, he challenges us. God challenges us to seize a strategic opportunity to be the best we can be in the worst of times. He said to make a difference by standing in bright contrast to the emptiness of this present generation. Matthew says it like this: "You're blessed." when you're at the end of your rope with less of, with less of you there is more of god empty vessels and i thought about this think about this when she went around why did everyone have empty vessels Because they're all in that time we're in a famine. In other words, the people you live around in this world, we're all in the same place. There is a famine. They're all suffering. That's why they all had empty vessels. The only one that had the answer was the one that God would flow in the answer for the empty lives in our city is you and when she would go around and when God would pour out that oil into her life and she would pour that oil into those empty vessels that's what I'm looking at like she would pour her life into those empty vessels they're open now they're broken now they're hurting they're in a famine just like I'm in a famine She was in a famine. Hers was actually a little worse. She had lost her husband and she was in a famine. Everyone else was still in a famine. They had nothing. And here this woman's coming. I need your empty vessel. They're thinking, what in the world is she? What an empty vessel for? Here, take it, take it, take it. Here, take it. The truth was she was in the same place they were. You and I I live in the same world this world lives in. And he said, the answer for all those... You pray for those empty. You go gather those empty vessels. You go gather the empty vessels of Moreno Valley. And when you gather them, you take them home. And you pour your life into them. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Whenever every head bowed, please, every eye closed. You know what's amazing to me is If you read the scripture, in six verses, God totally turns her life around. So I got a few maybes I'm going to throw at you, and we're going to end here. Maybe why it's taking God so long to help you. Maybe your pride stands in the way. Maybe it's your unwillingness to ask for help from others, because you would involve other people. God's will always involves other people maybe it's your unwillingness to do what seems to be hard or impossible maybe it's because you haven't gone out you don't care about the empty vessels around you so you if this was you in the situation you would have never left your home you would never went to the empty vessels or maybe you just haven't followed through with the word god's given you you're still operating by human solutions and that's why you're empty but emptiness, I say it again, is eligibility I don't know what's holding you back, maybe there's nothing but maybe you're here this morning and say, you know what pastor I, I'm really not that dependent on God I'm, I'm doing okay I'm not really too desperate uh, our desperation before God should never really change but it does Jeremiah, God says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in his wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and they understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken it. With every head bowed, you're here this morning. You see, you know what, Pastor? God's talking to me. Just raise your hand quickly. God, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. Here's my hand. There's some, maybe you're listening, you used to be really desperate. You'd cry just to hear from God. You'd be broken. Your heart would break just wanting to hear from God, wanting God to speak. But now there's no room for God to speak into your life. God can't order your life. You just do what you want to do when you want to do it. It's hard to say your life is all about Jesus when it's all about you. Anybody else raise your hand say, God, you're talking to me. maybe you're here this morning you're not right with God you want to get right why don't you raise your hand say here's my hand pastor I'm not right I see that hand sir anybody else maybe you're watching me you want to give your life to Jesus Christ up to now pride has stopped you pride stops you from surrendering pride stops you from asking for help and you say I'm sorry God forgive me of my sins I repent I need you Here's my life. You say that prayer. You surrender to Jesus Christ. Let's all stand in this place. Many hands raised. Come and find a place to pray for a moment. Just come and find a place to pray, would you? Just talk to God. Let's all talk to God. So many needs in this city. So many empty vessels. Empowered. I know we talked before, but not because we talked before, but just a word. When I was sitting back before we even started talking, it was the word empowered for your life. Because you feel everything but that. Lay hands on him, Jacob. Let's pray together, church. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Pour out the supernatural grace of God. Pour him out, Father. Your grace, your power, your anointing, your wisdom, your strength—supernatural grace and power. Oh God, sin honor His faithfulness, Lord. Bless His life. You see all that is taking place, God. You see all that has transpired, Lord. His days are before Your eyes, Father. You see and you know. Bless my brother, I pray, Father. Fill him with your grace, your power, your spirit, I pray, in the name of Jesus. A supernatural grace God upon his life right now in Jesus' name. You stay right there. Manny, uh, Come to me It's just, it's weird, but it's, um, um things unfolding that are going to work out better than you ever realized. That's basically better than you ever realized, many. An unfolding of the will of God. And you're going to see the handiwork of God. And you're going to say, I never thought it could be this good. Because to you it's a dream. So many things you've gone through. So much pain you've experienced, disappointments, but it's going to unfold and you're going to look at it and you're going to say, man, I never thought it could be this good. God is so good. Let's pray, church. Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, touch manly by the Holy Ghost. Oh, Rabo, she let a baby rebic under a barbara. She let a baby rebic under a barbara. Oh, Rambande ribicilla banded re debe caraba. Bossilerebeco, Rambandebe, kila babaribe. Oh, Rabo, I know, I know a little bit. Gabe, but the word just simple. It's one word came to me is power for your life. Everything you thought you could never be, you become. Everything. Forget about voices. I hear a lot of voices. Forget about those voices. You follow the voice of God. And people are going to look at you later on. They're going to tell you right now. They're going to look at you and say, how in the world are you so strong? You've gone through so much. Let's pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Oh, raban de rebeki larababa, rabosan de rebeki larababa. God, you're a God of mercy. You're a God of grace and power. Pour out your grace and power in his life. Oh la ra shilere shile Jesus' name. Monica. Let me get back up here if I remember the word. strength but not just strength it's a supernatural strength because you're strong to rely upon yourself often but I'm talking about a strength that comes from God that you're totally relying upon God to help you not Monica when you're at wit's end there's a strength and there's a power that's available for you. It's God. He's heard the words you've spoken. He's seen it. All the hidden frustration. Pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus. Shile robo sandere be sandere robo sa. God, a supernatural grace and strength, Father, found only in you and your grace and your power, not ourselves, Lord. Supernatural wisdom also, Father, I pray. God, for the days ahead in her life, she would turn and continue to turn to you and your power and your grace. Hallelujah. 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 One last one, Yusada, where she at? Oh, I was gonna pray for you. You know, I want sisters to lay hands on her. What's coming to me was no one knows this. But you feel like your life's totally ineffective. That's how you feel. Not true at all. Your life has been a blessing to many, many people. And uh, some of those, a lot of those people aren't even here. But you've touched their life for eternity. And everything you do, every word you speak, every person you touch, God sees. Father. oh god your blessing on her life and strength god encourage her soul father god like the empty vessel pour out pour out and pour out and continue to pour out into her life as she pours her life out into others i pray father Oh, God, in your eyes, you behold all her active. You see every word she speaks. You see every touch she gives to others. Bless her abundantly, I pray. One last one. You're with me? Elliot, God's going to give you supernatural wisdom with money. I know you already have You're sharp, but I'm I'm not talking about sharp Elliot. I'm talking about something that's totally supernatural. God's going to help you. At first, you're not going to recognize it's the hand of God. Then you're going to realize, wow, I, I I never thought of that before. It's God. And as time goes on in your life, you're going to have, I know you have money now, I don't know how much, but whatever, To you know my business, but there's going to be times you're going to want to give to people, and God's going to tell you, just just, just be patient. You're going to want to help, and you just want to do all, you want to do all, just wait, and, and you know when it's time. You know, you say, you know, I don't, it's what I want to do, but then you're going to feel a peace about, okay, I'm going to help this person or this, I don't know what it is, but you're going to, okay, I'm going to step in and help here, I'm going to do this and you're gonna know when it's God and God's hand. Sharon, God hasn't left you out of his plans. God has not left you out of his plans. You write yourself out of the script, God don't. God hasn't, God won't. When is it going to happen, Lord? In his time. And I don't know what that even means. It's going to happen in his time. It's going to happen in his way. Let's just give the Lord a clap offering. Right? Let's just worship God for a moment. God, I thank you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let Dev Estevan just close us in a prayer. Don't forget tonight at five. Hey, folks, I really hope this episode encouraged you to live a more purposeful and intelligent life. If it did bless you, would you share it with somebody who you love as well? Thanks again for joining us, folks. We'll see you next time.